Hello everybody, this is the Ronin Podcast. Sorry that I have not been able to... I know I've said I was going to put an episode sooner. Um, things have been crazy. Um, the whole COVID-19, the uh, the not being indoors, the UFC may or may not having events. It was kind of difficult to start even a podcast because I didn't know if there was any events. Um, of course, there was topics to talk about, but I mean... I want to keep this more of, more more on the the, the martial arts side and and you know less in the politics side. But, um, I mean, but at the same time, I, like I said, I want to be more open to everything and talk about various topics, not just sports wise. So you know, probably keep it on the on the political. Maybe go into politics every maybe one or two episodes i'll probably at least have one episode that'll talk about a political issue or a social issue i don't want to dive too deep into it because if some of you follow me on facebook you know i i make my points on facebook a lot so um so ufc 250 uh the first fight uh sean o'malley versus eddie wyland i mean good fight i mean it was a good fight eddie wyland came out you know started putting some pressure on Sugar Sean, Sugar Sean, you know, you know, handled it pretty well, knocked him out with a good, with a good straight right hand, walk off KO. Now, of course, now, of course, everyone, including Joe Rogan, kept saying, oh, yeah, this is the greatest walk off KO ever. Well, I've seen better. I mean, excuse me, he obviously must have forgot about Mark Hunt, (laughs) which I mean, that's usually the case, you know, with case with Joe Rogan, period. So, but, um, the thing with Sugar Sean is the, the question that I always had, and I've always had with guys who are very dynamic like him is how much is that raw technique versus just his raw athleticism or talent? Because, you know, there's a lot of guys who are good at doing things, you know, athletically, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're technically sound. I mean, you know, perfect example of that, Uriah Faber. A guy did a lot of dynamic movements, a lot of things, because he relied on his athleticism. But when you took that away, you know, you could see that he didn't really have the fundamentals. So with Sugar Sean, that's kind of been my, my question with that. And, you know, so far they've built him up properly. I mean, his his performance was great. You know, I mean... It's not, of course, it's not, it's not against somebody that where, where you, it's not against somebody where you could say, oh, he deserves to fight in the top 10 or the top five, but it's a good performance that gets his, that gets him into more, that gets him deeper into the waters. You know, he fought a guy that once again, stylistically matched up well for him and, you know, had a good wealth of experience. You know, it wasn't like he was fighting somebody top five, top 10. You know, but it, he's on the right track, so that that's a good thing. Um, uh, what's his name? Who was next? Uh, oh, Neil Magny. Neil Magny. The fight was good. The the fight was good. The fight was um good. It, it was back and forth in the beginning with Neil Magny and his opponent. Uh, I mean, roughly. I mean, there was moments where Neil Magny held some trouble, but a lot of that was because of the cage. One of the things that I pointed out, you know, and I was telling and, and I was telling myself this was how the environment will affect people's fighting. 
especially fighters who like to use a lot of lateral movement. Fighters who use, you know, one of the things that 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 gets overlooked in fighting is environment. I've always said environment always plays a key in the the environment. It's not just the rules, but the environment. You know, styles change. The way a fighter fights always changes. Perfect example of this is when UFC guys would go to Pride. They would go to Pride. They'd fight in the ring. The rules were different. The environment was different. A lot of the guys who were known for taking all their opponents down effortlessly weren't able to do that when they got to Pride. And then the same thing with guys who were able to, you know, stuff takedowns or, you know, get crazy submissions in Pride. They weren't, you know, because of the rules and the environment, they weren't able to handle the things in the UFC because the cage was different. Excuse me. So, you know, one of the things that I kept saying was, since it's in a smaller cage, how much will that affect certain fighters? You know, especially fighters who you like to use a lateral movement, you know, fighters who like to use, you know, great, you know, fighters who like to use long, dynamic techniques and attacks, you know, like Sugar, like, like the previous fight I talked about with Sugar Sean O'Malley, you know, Eddie Wineland was able to close the distance fairly well. And a lot of that was because of the environment, the environment really gave, played a key because that they were fighting in a smaller cage it allowed Eddie Wyland to close the distance and because and since the and it also allowed Neil Magny's opponent to close the distance on him which made it hard for him to you know use his lateral movement stick and move you know and that's what we saw and in a situation like that if you're in a situation like that you got to make those adjustments you know instead of you know, circling around, you got to come forward, you know, you know, walk your opponent down, which he did in the third round, you know, which part of me felt he should have did, you know, in the second round after what he experienced in the first. But, you know, he did what he he did what he needed to do. And, you know, he won the fight. Um, it was a good win for him. I mean, I, it, it was a good win for him. Um, it probably opened up you know, new ideas and new approaches to his game. Um, maybe some style change-ups, you know, instead of playing the lateral game, maybe he'll start working on coming forward more since we, we don't know how long this whole COVID thing will, will last. I mean, it's almost going to be half a year. So if they're still fighting in that particular cage, this may, this may help, you know, this may help Neil Magny evolve in terms of his style where instead of using the lateral movement, he'll start using more tactics of coming forward, you know, more harder, you know, stiffer punches, having a more stiffer jab, you know, walking down your opponent, you know, because that smaller cage is really gonna, is, is really gonna have some effect. It, it's going to affect a lot of fighters. There's no doubt, it will affect a lot of fighters. And if you don't believe that, trust, you don't believe that, I mean, just watch the Neil Magny fight, I'm telling you. So, uh, Aljamain Sterling versus uh, Cody Sanhagen. Aljamain Sterling, okay, so people were bitching, were extremely bitching about the fact that Corey Sanhagen, I mean, no, Alj sorry, Aljamain Sterling wasn't getting the title shot. Everybody bitched about that. 
Why was Peter Young getting the title shot and not Aljamain Sterling? Well, I'll tell you why. His performances weren't of the standard. I've always said before, wins and losses are second. St- performance is number one. And if you're in the UFC, you know, or if you're just in MMA, period, mainly the UFC, if you, if your performance isn't up to the standard, if you just defeated an opponent and you didn't have that great of a performance, they're not going to look at you. You can be 20-0, and 0, and if you're still having close, close fight after close fight, you know, if your performances aren't that good, well, in all 20 fights, well, the UFC is never going to look at you. You could be 20-0 and 0 for a lifetime. You could be undefeated for 30, for 30 years. And if your performances aren't good, it, then you're never going to get picked. And that was the case with Aljamain Sterling. His performances didn't match the standard. He had great wins. He was on a good win streak. But his performances weren't up to par. His fights were always back and forth, back and forth. Then I pull up, pull out the victory. Back and forth, back and forth. Then I pull out the victory. It was never a clear dominance. Just dominate. Like I've always said, if you want to get the title shot, you have to dominate. You have to go in there. You have to leave no doubt that you're the number one guy, that you're the best Aljamain, and that was Aljamain's problem for a long time. His fight with Cordy, and I said, if he wants to get a title shot, he has to go out there and he has to dominate. He has to go out and wipe the floor with Cody Sanhagen. He can't leave no doubt whether it's by finish or decision. He has to dominate minute by minute, round by round, step by step. He has to completely shut Cody Sanhagen down. And that's exactly what he did. He came out in the fight. He came out right there from the get-go and just dominated. Attacked Cody Sanhagen, took advantage Jumped on him. Didn't give Corey Sanhagen any moment to breathe. Didn't give him any moment to to catch his bearings. Jumped on him. Took his back. I loved how he had him pressed up against the cage. Shrugged him off to take his back. Jumped on his back. Held on to it. Did all the right things when it comes to getting a rear naked choke. From getting, you know, from driving his hips into his opponent's back. You know, making him arch. Which allowed him to sink in the choke. Beautiful. Just Ugh, just got him and and finished him all within the first round impressive so and be, so if there's any doubt over who gets a title shot there's no doubt he's in the title running now after the Cody Garbrandt fight which I'm about to talk to next if I don't know if he's going to get the title shot he might get the title shot and if anything and if the UFC is still having reservations about get, having him get the title shot, there's a good chance they might have him fight Cody Garbrandt. I mean, if Cody Garbrandt's performance, which I'll talk about next, wasn't up to par, well, then there would have been no doubt, you know, Aljamain would for sure get the shot. Now, I know Dana White says he's getting the shot, but Dana White says a lot of things. And, you know, fact of the matter is, you know, Cody Garbrandt's, you know, victory was <laughs> insane. Which leads me to my what I'm about to talk about now. Cody Garbrandt versus the Sun Sal. Cody Garbrandt, when he is on his game, he is a world beater. 
And the question that I had was Cody Garbrandt, he is a hell of a fighter, has great skills, but the problem is when he gets tagged, he drops his composure. He throws caution to the wind and tries to go and tries to go balls to the wall. For Cody Garbrandt to win, he has to be composed. He has to have composure. He cannot he, he cannot fall into a brawl. He cannot get wild. He has to stick to the game plan, make smart moves. You know, we know you're tough. We know you can brawl. We know you can fight. But it's not about who's tougher. It's about who's smarter, who's better. And Cody Garbrandt was absolutely better, without a shadow of a doubt. His the way the way he was moving, the way he was slipping and ripping. I mean, he was making a Sun Sal miss and making him pay for everything he did. The way he would slide in and catch him. The way he would slide in and hit him with that low kick from the almost like a almost like a karate technique. It's like it, you know, D Daniel Cormier was saying that it was him, you know, faking the takedown. But no, it, it's actually a karate move. I, I remember, yeah, like D DC Daniel Cormier. He kept saying that, oh, he's actually no, he he's faking the takedown and he's throwing the kick. No, it's it's actually a karate move. That's actually a karate move, and I think, yeah, it's actually a karate move. That whole sliding in and throwing the low kick, you know, that whole sliding in and throwing the low kick, that's actually a karate move. And it's also a move that is seen in capoeira. That's actually a capoeira move as well, you know. So D DC just <coughs> – <coughs> sorry about that. Uh, but D DC, yeah, D DC was wrong. I'm sorry. DC – you're wrong. That wasn't him faking a takedown and then throwing the kick. That's actually a capoeira move. That, you know, that's that's a capoeira move. It's also a move that I've seen in karate numerous of times. Sliding in, throwing that low kick. Um, it's also a move that, you know, it's also a move that's also seen in kung fu. Uh, if you go into Bruce Lee's Tao of Jin Kune Do book, it's also a move that he has shown. And has practiced and different variations of it as well. So no, it's it's not a <laughs> just so you know. So no, it's not just it, it's it's not a it's not this it's not some new thing. It's not just it's not some it's it's not a new thing. It's not some wrestling move that he's converted into a strike. No, it's a, it's a legit move. It's a move that has been seen in karate, capoeira, even in the Tao of Jin Kune Do by Bruce Lee. You could find it in his book. So, yeah, uh, DC, DC's, you know, D DC, you know, you, D DC needs to do a little more research, but it was really cool seeing him do that move. And, you know, for me, I've always said, you know, just because it's not in the UFC doesn't mean it doesn't work. And I mean, you know, definitely Cody Garbrandt showed that slide in low kick. I like to call it that. They, they have different names for it in the martial arts that I mentioned. But that, that slide-in low kick, it's very effective. It's, it's very effective. And it's also effective because if your opponent comes in on you as you're throwing it, you can knock them off their feet very easily. So, of course, that didn't happen, but he was doing damage he to, you know, a Sun Tzu's leg. And what was so crazy about that was... Cody was just so loose. He was so loose. He was so free. I mean, it was so crazy. You know, he was talking, you know, he was talking shit, saying stuff to a Sun Sal. The guy looked sharp. And 
in the and at the bell in the final seconds of the second round, he did this. Just dropped his hands, dipped low, and came over the top with that overhand right. And it it was it was it reminded me of Roy Jones Jr. when he put his hands behind his back and knocked out his opponent with that leaping right hook. It was if some of you don't know Roy Jones Jr. when he was at the top of his game, he fought a guy, and in the fight he put his hands behind his back, bent his head, you know, bent over, you know, showing displaying his chin, and when his opponent got close enough, he literally threw in a leaping punch from with his hands behind his back. It was one of the most craziest things you ever seen, and that's what it was. The craziest things you ever seen, and that's what it reminded me of when I saw Cody Garbrandt do that to a Sun Sal. The way he just dropped his hands, then dipped his head like as if he was, you know, and dipped his head like he was about to, you know, like he was anticipating to shoot for something. Comes over the top with that overhand right, just whips him. It was like. It reminded me a lot of Roy Jones Jr. when he in that fight that he did that I just explained. It reminded me a lot of it. It was crazy. So is Cody Garbrandt back? Yes. And will Cody Garbrandt get a title shot? Probably. The UFC has given people title shots on less. And but if anything, most likely the match between the most likely it'll be Aljamain Sterling versus Cody Garbrandt. I know some people will say. Sugar Sean O'Malley should be in there. Sugar Sean's not ready for that. Sugar Sean's not ready for Al Jermaine or Cody or anybody in the top five or top ten right now. Give him a top 15 guy, guy in the top 20. Keep building him up. Keep feeding him guys to get him into deeper waters. You know, uh, you know, you got to learn how to swim before you could go into the deep end. And, you know, Sugar Sean's got some ways to go. Um, you know, the thing... <clears throat> You, you know, so, but definitely, if, if there's a fight to make, Aljamain Sterling versus Cody Garbrandt, I like that fight. And if anything, that's the fight to make. If the UFC hasn't, if, if the UFC hasn't given Aljamain Sterling the title shot, it most likely, it'll end up being Cody Garbrandt versus Aljamain Sterling. I mean, there there's a good chance that that'll be the fight to make. You know, given if, let's say, for instance, you know, Peter Yan versus Jose Aldo is one of those back and forth fights that that are close and that people want to see a rematch for. But either way, there there's a good there's a good chance. But either way, there's a good chance Aljamain versus Cody Garbrandt will be made, whether what you know will be made um, win, loser, draw in the Aldo Yan fight. Peter Young, I mean, out Sterling versus Garbrandt, that's the fight. That's the fight. If the UFC hasn't given Aljamain Sterling the title shot by now, they're, they're going to give it, – it'll be Cody Garbrandt versus Aljamain Sterling. But now Aljamain, now, I mean, yeah, that that's the fight. You know, that that's that's the fight to make. I mean, now I know Dana White said Aljamain's getting the fight, but eh, there's a that, – that might not be the case – yeah, Dana White says a lot of things. So, anywho, um, so the main event: Amanda Nunes versus Felicia Spencer. Um, uh, man, one of the things too, one of the things I want to clear up for people that are 
in this in this situation. The thing that I want to clear up for everyone is the UFC says a lot of things in terms of who is the greatest of all time. Okay? The UFC says a lot of things. Okay? The UFC says every fighter they have is the greatest of all time. Now, Amanda Nunes is the greatest women's fighter in the UFC. Okay? She is the greatest women's fighter in the UFC. She is not the greatest women's fighter of the whole world. Okay? Is she one of the greatest women's fighters? Yes, of all time? Absolutely. Is she the undisputed greatest women's fighter of all time? No. Why? Because we've only seen her fight the best in the UFC. We haven't seen her fight the best outside the UFC. The only person that she fought that came, the only person that fought that she came outside the UFC was Chris Cyborg. And that was that, that was it. That was the only person that she beat. You know, of course, you know, you have Ronda, you know, you have Ronda, um, Misha Tate, who are champions in Strike Force, and, and that's roughly about it. But either way, you know, these are fighters that were produced and found by the UFC. These were fighters that were produced and found by the UFC. So she hasn't fought, we haven't seen her fight in other environments. We haven't seen her fight the best of Bellator or World Series of Fighting or one championship. Is she one of the greatest women's fighters of all time? Yes, but is she but she's not the but is she the greatest women's of all women greatest women's fighter of all time? No. She's one of the greatest, but she's not the greatest. Okay? She's now if we're just talking about the UFC and only the UFC, well then, no doubt, she is the greatest of the UFC. And I could totally get on board on that. She is the best of the UFC right now. But like I said, is she the best in the world above everyone else? No, because we haven't seen her fight all the best in the world. We haven't seen her fight in those other organizations. We haven't seen her fight in those various environments under different rules, like I mentioned before. So... You know, when people say she's the greatest female fighter of all time, that's a little far-fetched because we haven't seen her fight outside of her own yard. But she has now, if we're just talking about the UFC in general, she, no doubt, she is the best in the UFC when it comes to the women's divisions, no doubt. She is the best in the division. And there's no disputing that. Um... Her fight, I mean, now, the fact now, we also have to remember, too, the featherweight division is still a forming division, guys. The featherweight division hasn't been out that long. It got started in 2017. It's 2020. So, roughly, the division's been open for about maybe, what, three or four years? That's probably around the, that, that's pretty much what it was like when Ronda was running around dominating the bantamweight division. The bantamweight division in the women's was only open for, like, three or four years. It was still forming. So, and right now, the Bantamweight division is reforming. Not because Amanda Nunes took out all the top talent, she took out all the big names. Like we talked about, the bigger fights are not the same as the tougher fights, you know. I've talked about this many times before. She cleared out the big names, the, the people, the, the big stars. Now, I don't think she really cleaned out the best talent, 
but she did clean out the big stars in terms of Misha Tate, Holly Holm, and Ronda Rousey. And then, of course, goes to 145, and then clears out the only big name, which is Chris Cyborg. So, right now, it's one of those things where you, you, you can't really say she cleaned out a division. Technically, you can say that, just only from the perspective, if you're looking at name value, she cleaned out all the big names. If you're just looking at name value, yes, she cleaned out the division in terms of name value. She cleaned out all the big names. But when it comes to, like, the raw talent, she's only fought maybe... She, I would say she probably only fought one fighter that I think was at the level of elite, and that was Valentina Shevchenko. You know, I know Raquel Pennington... She was all right. I mean, she didn't. I don't think she really deserved the title shot. Um, Felicia Spencer earned her spot, but I mean, you know, that's probably the only person. Those are probably the only two who actually, you know, deserve to be at that top spot because you know, they've worked their way up to that. I mean, Amanda Nunes is just a monster, and. She is, and I got to give Felicia Spencer credit, man, because a lot of fighters in her situation would have folded. A lot of fighters would have thrown in the towel. She was still, she was still fighting. She was still trying to finding, she was still trying to find a way to win. Another thing too, is people seem to misconceive is that styles make fights, right? Styles, styles, styles make fights. No doubt. They, they make fights. And Felicia Spencer's style is a style that works for Amanda. You know, someone who's a bit of a slow fighter, you know, a slow starter. You know, someone who, you know, Felicia Spencer, she's not somebody who can, you know, who's who's someone who puts their foot on the gas and fights at a high pace. She's very, you know, she's very slow and methodical. She slowly works her way up to those positions. She's not somebody who puts her foot on the gas. She's not a fast star. She's, you know, exactly. Um, you know, she's, you know, and, you know, her main goal is to get on the ground, which is, you know, she doesn't have all the best striking in the world. You know, she's very like, I'm going straight for the ground. Like she doesn't really mask her movements. She's, she doesn't, she's not very good at masking her movements all that well. You know, she, it was, you know, that, that was something I noticed in some of the fights that I've watched her in where she just kind of dives in for stuff, you know, and, and Amanda does the same thing too. No doubt about that. I've seen Amanda, you know, and it's not that Amanda does that too. It's just, you know, Amanda has tools to get away with it. <laughs> you know, the thing is she can get away with it because she has the tools to Felicia Spencer doesn't really have, you know, the, the tools to really get away with, you know, getting away with the things that would be considered bad habits and you know Felicia you know she was tough you know she was tough don't get me wrong she you know she did her best she held her own but it was just I mean her her she just you know Amanda was just Amanda was just better than her you know Amanda was just stylistically Amanda just Amanda just had the better style I would you know Amanda was just better than her most likely mostly Amanda just had the better style her style was better than Felicia's style you know I mean you know when you have somebody whose style matches up well with yours you know like that it makes it easy for you to go in there and you know you know pick them apart and break them down um you, you know so the styles make fights 
So for Amanda, the style worked out for her well. I mean, the only time where we saw her have problems was when she fought fighters that were really good on the feet and could, you know, stuff her takedowns, could force her to wrestle. When fighters force her to wrestle, her output, you know, fighters that make her tentative, fighters that are really good on the feet tend to give her problems because it forces her to wrestle. It forces her to be more tentative in a way. Perfect example of that was when she fought Valentina Shevchenko. Valentina, you know, striking was really good. Her movement was really good. Same thing, you know, Jerain Durandame, who last that fight, but Amanda was, you know, Amanda wasn't being the methodical killer that she was when, when that she's always done because the striking was different. You know, the, the level of striking was different. You know, she's seen when whenever she fights somebody who's a really good striker, you know, she beat Holly Holm. I mean, that's true. Holly Holm was a great striker. But when she fights like a really a, a smart striker, a striker that doesn't really fall, that doesn't fall to the to the tactics that Amanda employs, you know, or, or, you know, she you know, she tends to have problems. She seems to have problems with strikers. That seems to be one thing I've noticed. Like I said, strikers seem to give her a bit more trouble. She beat Holly Holm, but I mean, I mean, but that's, you know, that that's about one. But in her fights with Duran Duranami and Valentina, Valentina, you know, both of them, you know, did give her some problems. It forced her to go outside of her, you know, outside of her comfort zone. You know, when she fought Valentina, especially in that second time, you saw a lot of frustration because she couldn't do the things that she wanted to do. When she fought Duran Durandame, she was definitely, you know, she definitely, I mean, was doing things that were not smart tactics. And as I said, if Duran Durandame had, you know, more a sense of urgency, would have caught her. No doubt would have beaten her because, you know, she had the level of the striking. You know, a man is not really the type of girl that really goes to the ground. She doesn't take fights to the ground a lot. She likes per predominantly the stand-up. Can she fight on the ground? Yes, to an extent. You know, I mean, when her opponent, when she has her opponents hurt, when she has control of the fight, you know, she, she takes the fights to the ground. You know, top position, yes. Another, you know... But either way, I mean, it was just a dominant fight for Amanda. It was a good fight for Amanda, uh, a great win for her. I mean, Dana White says, you know, the Valentina Shevchenko is out of the question. I mean, Dana White, you know, Dana White says a lot of things. Like I said before, Dana White, Dana White says a lot of things. I mean, this is the same guy who had Ken Shamrock and Tito fight three times. I mean, and Tito won every fight, so I don't want to hear Dana White talk shit <laughs> about, you know, not making fights that don't make sense. I mean, you know, say what? Another thing that seems to be overlooked in the fight, one thing is too, is environment. One of the things I want to touch on is environment, you know, Amanda Nunes was able to stuff those takedowns pretty well. But the thing that I think a lot of people are missing is how the is the how the environment played a factor for her. And that was one of the things that I think is the case with a lot of the fights was the environment. Due to the fact that 
the environment is small, it gave a lot of these fighters who had some great finishes the chance to really do the work that they did. When one of the things is when Felicia, when Felicia goes for takedowns, one thing I noticed, Felicia is a fighter that she uses momentum to take her opponents down. She uses the she uses the momentum. You know, if you notice in her fights, she she's not a power, you know, she's not known for power. She's not known for, you know, just blasting people. She uses the momentum. She uses the the she uses the space in the cage to build momentum to take her opponents down. And we've seen that. You know, her fight with Megan Anderson is an example of that. She couldn't do that to Amanda. And it's not because Amanda had the better takedowns. It was mostly because the environment. The cage was small. And it allowed Amanda to stuff those takedowns a lot easier. It allowed Amanda to crowd, to you to put pressure on Felicia, keep Felicia within the distance where she can, you know, hit a man to where she can hit Felicia with hard shots, stuff her takedowns. And and that's what it did. And and that's what it did. So I wouldn't necessarily a lot of people keep saying, you know, oh, it was, you know, Amanda was that good. Yeah, Amanda is good, but the environment is what really helped her. A lot of people don't a lot of things people don't understand. It's like, yes, the the, the her skills is good no doubt she was the better fighter but the but it was the environment that really helped her it was the environment that really helped her stuff those takedowns because if you watch the fight you could see felicia trying to get space trying to create enough space where she can build momentum to go for a takedown but it just wouldn't work because there wasn't a lot of space there wasn't a lot of space for her to build that momentum. There wasn't a lot of space for her to create, to get out of the way of those shots from Amanda. And she and she was trying. And she was genuinely trying. You could see that. You know, another thing I want to touch on was the environment, you know, same thing, the environment. You know, the environment. You know, when you look at Aljamain Sterling, you know, was it, was it more so the environment that helped Aljamain Sterling? Or was it just Aljamain Sterling was that good? I think it was a little bit of both. But I more so, I think it was a combination of both. But more so, it was the environment that helped help create that advantage for him. You know, you know, it, it helped him get past that long range, that long frame that Cody Sanhagen has. Same thing with Amanda. You know, the that small environment that you know that much you know that smaller environment allowed amanda to stuff those takedowns a lot easier create you know put the pressure on felicia and break her down and hit her with those hard shots it allowed amanda to you know it allowed it allowed you know the environment allowed amanda to you know, really, you know, to close that distance, you know, and that's what it was, you know, it, the environment, you know, the, if, if there was a lesson tonight when it comes to fights, if there's any lesson from these past three UFC events that people don't seem to understand, and if you're a real, if you're a martial artist, I don't care, boxer, wrestler, if you've been in martial arts, you will understand environment plays a huge factor in combat environment is a huge factor in combat anybody that tells you environment has nothing to do with it they're lying 
environment plays a huge factor. Perfect example, Muhammad Ali versus George Foreman. Muhammad Ali manipulated the environment to his advantage. He used the environment to his advantage. He knew the environment was super hot out there in Zaire. He knew it was hot as fuck. He manipulated the ropes. He used his he used his he used his celebrity to manipulate the ropes in order to take the impact off of George Foreman so that way he could come back and hit him with punches without being, you know, trapped in the corner. Without being in danger when trapped in the corner. And by using that environment, it allowed him to wear George Foreman down and beat him. That's a perfect example. Environment plays a huge factor in fights. And if there's a lesson today, environment is knowing how to use the environment to your advantage is a lesson that all martial artists should learn knowing how to use your you, knowing how to use the environment to your advantage is one of the most important lessons as a martial artist you should learn i don't care if you're boxing wrestling mma jiu-jitsu judo sambo i don't give a fuck what martial art you compete in using your environment to it to your advantage is one of the utmost important lessons to learn and that's what we keep seeing here tonight is this smaller cage is favoring a lot of fighters who primarily like to come forward fighters who are more who like to fight at a more closer range and we're seeing that Tyron Woodley likes to keep fighters at a distance. Couldn't do that due to a smaller cage. Felicia Spencer likes to use the likes to use the range. Felicia Spencer likes to use that distance to get her takedowns. You know, couldn't do that because she was in a smaller cage. She couldn't use the space to build that momentum. And you know that that's what we saw. You know, Aljamain Sterling, same thing. The environment helped him close the distance to get that choke. Because if we were in a bigger space environment, you know, it probably it probably would have been a lot different. Felicia Spencer probably would have done a lot better, maybe a little more better than she already did. I don't think she I don't think it really would have made that much of a difference, but you never know environment plays a huge key and if there was a lesson for tonight and after the past ufc's environment is a huge factor when it comes to fighting a huge factor you know you you know like i said and that and that was one of the main reasons why amanda was able to stuff those takedowns was because there was no space for felicia to build that momentum to shoot if Felicia was a power wrestler, if Felicia was one of those fighters that can just blast you with a double, then Amanda would have been fucked. Small environment in a, with a power wrestler, that's the worst place you want to be. You don't want to be in a small environment with a power wrestler. That's the worst. You want to you wanna have as much space as you can to create that distance to make it, to make it longer for them to travel. You know, with this, with the smaller environment, it allowed Amanda to stuff those takedowns a lot easy and anticipate a lot of Felicia's movements because they were more, they were closer. They were, they were closer within distance to where Amanda could stuff those takedowns, keep it in the range of the hands and just beat Felicia down. And that was something, you know, 
as I said before, the style also, you know, Felicia's not a very fast starter. She's not a very explosive fighter. Her movements aren't, she's not very fast. She's very slow and methodical. And, you know, it were, uh, that was another thing. It was great for Amanda because then it gave her the opportunity to just take her time and just beat Felicia down. She didn't have to worry about anything really. She didn't have to worry about anything because she was fighting an opponent that wasn't going to force her to really pick up the pace or really, you know, build anything, get, build anything or get anything going. It, it was, she knew she wasn't going to have to do any more than what she had to based off the opponent that she was facing. Now, if she was facing someone like Valentina, you know, or, you know, someone like we saw that was going to make her do more than what she has to, who, you know, was going to give her complications, then, yeah, we would have seen it. Um... It's just, but that, that is one of the, but you know, it's, as I said before, environment plays a huge key. And if there's a lesson from these past UFCs, it's environment, you know, environment. I mean, if you don't believe me, look at the transition, look at the guys that came from pride to the UFC, then look at the guys from the UFC who came to pride. It was completely night and day. They had equally problems, not just because of the rules, but because of the environment. There was things that they could get away with that they couldn't get away with in the other. And that's what we're seeing is a lot of fighters who like to use that distance that get away with certain things because they have that distance aren't getting away with it now because they're at a more closer distance. It's allowing those fighters to that those fighters like Amanda, who like to keep things in the range of the hands who like to keep the distance close and beat their opponents up on the inside, they're having more success because the environment has given the environment plays a factor. The environment gives them the advantage. And that was one and that's the case with Felicia Spencer and Amanda Nunes. The environment allowed Amanda to keep the distance at hand's range and stuff those takedowns because Felicia didn't have the space to build that momentum. She didn't have the space to keep Amanda far away to where she can recover, get her bearings and come in. And she was still game. Don't get me wrong. She was still trying to fight. But, you know, that environment, you know, that environment, but, you know, when you fight in an environment that you haven't been in before, that you haven't practiced, it, it, it's just it's tough on you. And then when you're fighting somebody who's considered one of the greatest women's fighters in the UFC, you're, you know, and she, you know, that's even worse, especially when she's got freaking stones in her hands. That's even worse. That just makes the situation that much more tough. And, you know, that's what we saw tonight. You know, that that's exactly what we saw. And depending on when, you know, things get back fully back to normal, that's what we're most likely going to see in these next couple UFCs is a smaller cage, fighters who use a lot more lateral movement, who need space to, you know, strike, who need space for takedowns, who need space to build momentum. You're going to start seeing those guys have more difficult time than they did, you know, when they were fighting in a bigger cage because the guys in the bigger case because they don't have that distance and the guys who are used to fighting in a more closer range like we saw with Amanda you know like we saw with Aljamain Sterling they're going to have more success you know Cody Garbrandt for example is another one you know they're, you know, they're going to have success they're going to start having more success because the environment is going to help with their style the environment is going to play into their style 
and it's going to help them close that distance, you know, and that, and that's the, and that's the case with this fight, you know, all in all, you know, you got to give Felicia Spencer all the credit in the world to being as tough as she is, she's super tough, super durable, I mean, you got to give her credit where credit is due, I mean, it was a great fight, um, but like I said, I mean, now does, now it, it what was funny about that fight was a man, the, Joe Rogan tried saying that she has no holes in her game. And even Amanda Nunes tried to say that she doesn't have holes in her game, but she does. She really does. You know, the Duran Duran May fight showed that she has holes in her game. She does slow down in the later rounds. When you get her to do more than what she has to, she slows down. When you don't fall to her feints and pressure, because what Amanda Nunes likes to do is she likes to put pressure on her opponents and throw a lot of feints to get you to come at her, to get you to exchange so she can step back and counter. That's how she gets her opponents. That's how she got Cyborg. That's how she gets everybody, except for Valentina. You know, except for Valentina and except for Duran Durandame. When she fought Duran Durandame, she just blasted Duran Durandame from the start. And then, you know, same thing. Blasted Duran Durandame from the start. And, you know, when every time it was on the feet, you know, there was Duran Durandame was, you know, she was staying within her range, of course. But, she, but the problem was with that was she wasn't pulling the trigger. She was just marching forward, marching forward. And then Amanda would blast her with a takedown. She was never fighting within her range. You know, same thing with Valentina. You know, Valentina did a good job of not reacting to the feints. She didn't react to the feints. She didn't fall to the pressure. She would just circle out, circle out. She only struck when she needed to strike. She didn't fall to the feints. She didn't fall to the pressure. And whenever Amanda would do something, she would step out of the way. She would never, she, she was never, you know, overextending herself. She would never, you know, freak out. She would just step out of the way, strike. She would make her, make Amanda miss. She would make her pay. Name of the game. She only would strike when she saw an opportunity to strike. She never stepped, she never struck just because Amanda was about to hit her or looked like it was going to hit her or because Amanda got close to her. If anything were to happen in that sort, well, then she would have got out of the way of it. She would have gotten out of the way. She, you know, she would have slipped punches, you know, got her bearings, and there you go, which was smart. That's, that's what primarily what you're supposed to do when you're fighting a counterfighter like Amanda, you know, who kind of like same thing like Darren Till and, you know, Conor McGregor, who like to use that type of approach to counterpunch, you know, don't react to, you know, don't react to the feints, don't fall to the pressure, just circle out. Every time they come at you, circle out. Don't, don't, re don't freak out, circle out. If they do something, don't react to it. Stay calm in the pressure, you know, don't react to the feints. And when they do throw something, get out of the way. Don't, you know, don't try to, don't get into an exchange. Just get, step out of the way, reset. When you find your opportunity to strike, strike. But don't strike just because he's throwing punches or because he's attempting or pretending to throw punches or because they're approaching you, you know, with a lot of pressure. The goal is to get you to react. That, that's the end game.
You know, that, that is the, that's the end game. And that's what Amanda does. And, you know, Valentina did a good job of exposing that. She did a good job of showing that, hey, if you just play this type of game, Amanda looks dead in the water. She doesn't have that same world beater status. Duran Durandamy exposed her, saying, hey, this growth slows down in the later rounds. If you can get her to do more than what she has to, she does slow down in the later rounds. But the thing is, with that is, you, you gotta, you got to make her do more. You know, you got to make her do more. I mean, you, you know, so it's, I mean, so Amanda does have, you know, Amanda does have weaknesses. Just the thing is, is you have to expose those weaknesses. You know, I mean, I understand that Joe's a fan and, you know, and everybody loves Amanda, but Amanda does have weaknesses. It, it's pretty clear what her weaknesses are. But it's not a matter of can those – it's not a matter of can they do it. Definitely there are fighters out there that can do it. It's just a matter of having the heart to do it You know, because Floyd Mayweather said it best. It's different under those lights. And when Amanda hits you or when Amanda starts putting that pressure on you like we've seen with most of her opponents, they just fall to it. They fall to the pressure. They either get hit or they fall to the – they get hit. And they crack or they freak out after being hit, and then that's it. When you look at Valentina, Valentina didn't fall to that pressure. She didn't freak out when Amanda Nunes tagged her. She was like, okay, she hit me, I'm gonna get out of the way. You know, she didn't freak out. You know, Duran Duranime, you know, she did a good job too. She did a good job of not freaking out. But of course, like I said, she she did she wasn't going in there to win. She was just going in there not wanting to lose. Um so, you know, definitely. Now, is she the greatest female fighter in the world? I wouldn't know. I wouldn't say that because she hasn't fought everyone in the world. We haven't seen her fight in all the organizations. Is she the greatest female fighter in the UFC of all time? Absolutely. I think she is the greatest female fighter in the UFC. Now, in the world, not so much because we haven't seen her fight everybody in the world. But UFC, definite. So, she can be beaten. You know, um... Would I like to see her fight Valentina a third time? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, Valentina lost both those fights. But, I mean, Dana White has made rematches on much less. I mean, this is the same guy that made Ken Shamrock versus Tito Ortiz three times. And Tito beat Ken all three times. Okay? Vanderlei versus Rampage. Vanderlei knocked out Rampage twice. Vanderlei fought. I mean, hell. <laughs> I mean, Vanderlei... Vanderlei fought Rampage in UFC. Rampage knocked him out. Shogun versus Antonio Noguera. I mean, Shogun beat Noguera, you know, twice, both in Pride and in the UFC, and they're making that fight a third time. Same thing with, you know, I mean, same thing with, you know, Dan Henderson, Vitor Belfort. Um, or maybe I think it was neck and neck, and then the third fight they fought. Either way, I mean, Dana White... Dana White's trying to say that that fight doesn't make sense because Amanda beat her twice. But Dana White seems to forget that those fights were really close, especially that second fight. And, you know, to say that, you know, oh, that fight will never happen, it doesn't make sense, that's kind of stupid because, you know, I mean, Khabib versus Conor McGregor doesn't make sense. But yet, <laughs> you know, but yet... 
Dana White is going through hell and high water to make Connor versus Khabib. But so you see what I'm getting at. So it's like it's weird that Dana White says those things. It's weird that he'll say things like that, even though he does his actions contradict what he says. Valentina versus Amanda Nunes to me makes more than sense because Valentina is the only fighter that managed to compete with her. Valentina is dominating her division. I don't understand why Zhang Wei Li is number two in the pound for pound women's list and un- and above Valentina, seeing as Zhang Wei Li has only had one title defense and that's against Joanna and it was a close fight. So I don't see how Zhang Wei Li should be up there. And then of course, you know, there's talks of Zhang Wei Li fighting Amanda Nunes. I don't know if Zhang Wei Li will win that fight. Um, there were some things I saw in Zhang Wei Li's game that, you know, indicated I don't know if she'll win, you know, but like I said before, you know, you never know. So it's just but yeah. Uh Jesus Christ. Um you know you know, Jesus Christ. I mean, so, but yeah, to me, Valentina Shevchenko versus Amanda Nunes is a fight that I think makes more sense. I mean, for, you know, makes more sense than it does Zhang Lili. Just because Valentina's been itching to get that rematch, she's been dominating, she's won a title, she's been dominating her division, Amanda's been dominating, those two have a rivalry. I mean, she's the only girl that's managed to compete with Amanda and give Amanda genuine problems. I mean, Jorane Duran may give her some problems, but I think Valentina gave her more significant problems, you know, especially being at the fact that, you know, it showed Amanda's flaws technically. So I think it definitely, definitely, I think think Valentina versus Amanda is a great fight. Um, But yeah, I mean, like I said, it's just, it's environment 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 just plays such a big factor in fights and you know it's such a huge factor and that's what we're seeing you know that's what helped amanda beat felicia spencer and allowed felicia and allowed amanda that's what helped amanda beat felicia spencer that's what helped aljamain sterling you know that's what helped you know neil magny's opponent make it a very close fight i mean environment plays a key and that's what we've been seeing in these past ufc's is environment you know and you know knowing how to use your environment to your advantage is a, is a key part in fighting and that's what we're seeing you know especially you know when you're especially these fighters that are known for fighting at a close range you know but of course they have to worry about takedowns but that close range allows them to fight at that range and stuff those takedowns i mean hell even and stuff those takedowns so i mean hell and on the and on the other hand it'll help guys that need the close range to get takedowns too so you know fighters that need to fight at a close range this small cage is really helping them and it's doing a disservice to a lot of fighters who need to use long range you know who need to use that distance so i mean it's interesting so it'll be interesting um very very interesting so, uh, yeah, that, that's it. I mean, who will Amanda fight? I mean, they say Megan Anderson doesn't have a strong case, but I mean, who, but I think Megan Anderson has a chance. I mean, her, her striking, like I said, when Amanda fights strikers, she does show problems. She shows problems. Her ability to get fights to the ground, you know, her, her ability to take the fights to the ground is not clean. You know, she dives in for takedowns. That's something she dives in for takedowns. 
which is a huge, you know, no-no. And that's what we saw when she fought Duran Duran to me, was she was diving for takedowns. You know, she likes to keep the fight on the feet. She's not somebody that really takes the fight on the ground unless, you know, she's in a position where she can, you know, unless where she she's in a position where she can get it without having to really set it up or do anything. You know, unless her opponent, like, like if her opponent is hurt or if she, you know, clinches with her and is able to, you know, you, you know, unless she's clin or she clinches with her or, you know, her opponent's hurt, like we saw with Felicia Spencer or in the Duran Duran fight. I think, you know, to beat her, you have to be a really good striker that isn't afraid. I wouldn't say isn't afraid of the takedown, but somebody who's going to strike at a, you know, technical level. And not going to fall to the pressure or feints that she likes to throw. You know, that's kind of that that's kind of what it really takes. And I think I think it'll be interesting. Really, I think it'll be interesting. Really, really interesting. I think it'll be an interesting fight when you watch them, when you see her fight. I mean, like I said, when you've seen her fight with really good elite strikers. Like, really good elite strikers. Strikers that aren't going to fall to the tendencies that Amanda likes to throw, which is that pressure, those feints. You know, she, you'll really, she, you could see that she has problems, but they can't, they, they have to, for one, they have to, they can't, they can't necessarily be afraid of the takedown. I, I would, well, not necessarily afraid of the takedown, but they have to, they, they have to be able, they have to fight smart and they have to have the heart to pull the trigger. You know, Valentina showed that. And Duran Duran and me did, had plenty of advantages in that, but never took advantage. And so it's, and, and I've always said, it's not a matter of can somebody's doing it, can somebody do it. There's certainly people that can do it, but it's a matter of can you, do you have the heart to pull the trigger? You know, yeah, you can get in there and draw your guns, but do you have the heart to pull the trigger when the kill shot's there? You know, and that's kind of the hard part. You know, that's what we saw with Jorinda Randame, was she had ample opportunities, but she couldn't pull the trigger. And, you know, and I, that's what it takes to beat her. And I think Megan Anderson has has a good chance, but, you know, but based on her performances, of course, I could see why. It's been very, very up and down. So, you know, it'll be interesting, but I would really love to see her fight Valentina. I think it'd be a great fight. Um, if anything, if they're going to make Zhang Wei Li fight, uh, if anything, if you're going to make Zhang Wei Li fight Amanda, have Zhang Wei Li fight Valentina Shevchenko first. And if she beats Valentina, then have her fight Amanda. But if anything, Valentina is the girl. Valentina is the girl that I think if you're going to make a super fight with Amanda, that's the girl to make a super fight with. It makes more sense than Zhang Wei Li. You know, Zhang Wei Li, she's only had one title defense. That's against Joanna, and it was a close fight. And, you know, a lot of people, I felt she won. It, yeah, so it just, it would, it just, to me, it would, it, I, on, on a lot, for me, logically, it seems to make more sense. But all in all, I mean, it was a great fight. I mean, so yeah, it's just, like, I, I mean, so, you know, environment, you know, number like so yeah like i said lesson of the day kids environment and all in all you know so 
we'll see. Uh, the next fight card, it's a fight night, Galvalo versus Evil Eye, and then after that, it's Fight Island. Uh, so I'll most likely cover both. If not, it'll if not, it'll most likely just be Fight Island. Um, gonna look to do more episodes. Um, I'm really big on this environment. You know, the use of environment, how it plays the factor into fights. So definitely going to do an episode on that because after these recent UFCs, you know, I've been really seeing the, the, the idea of environment. So I'm going to be looking into fights that where the environment played a factor. You know, I'm going to be looking into fights where, you know, the environment, you know, played a factor and helped, you know, it helped certain fighters, you know, especially more maybe original UFC fights. It'll, it'll, it'll probably be various fights. It's not just going to be, you know, it, you know, it's not just going to be, you know, just a few. It's going to be various fights from various organizations, not just UFC fights. There will be some. Definitely, it'll be the Felicia Spencer, Amanda Nunes fight. But, you know, there will be other fights too. Uh, Miracle Crow Cops won. Definitely, Miracle Crow Cops won. I want to cover. Um, he's a good example of that. And so on and so forth. But, yeah you know the lesson but yeah that that's the lesson of the day and definitely going to dig into that um i will be doing another episode the next episode will be kind of within the politics area i'm just telling you right now um topics that i want to talk about in the whole next episode is it's going to be mostly about ryan davis and candace owens you know just to give you guys a heads up on what that episode is going to be about you know the whole black lives matter movement the, the George Floyd situation, or is our country systematically racist? I mean, this, we're there's there there was a lot of deep top. There's a top. It's a lot of it's a topic that I've wanted to cover for a while, and you know I I've voiced my opinions on social media, but it, it's kind of hard to do that typing it than it is to like actually explain it in your own voice. So definitely, I'm going to be doing an episode that'll cover that. Um, I think you know it'll be an interesting episode. Um, especially after hearing Candace Owens' video and then hearing Ryan Davis, who I like as a comedian, but I don't think is the, the brightest bulb in the bunch. But, hey, but, but, hey, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. So that's to, get, that's to give you an idea of what the next episode will be about. Um, but, yeah, and definitely the episode after that will be about environment, you know, how martial arts, how environment plays into martial arts and everything else so thank you very much you know you guys have been great and um uh be safe out there